0: Welcome to the Clean Simple Free Podcast, the place to discuss how clean spaces make for a more simple way of life. And when your life is simplified, your mind will feel free. I'm your host, Ashley Alexia Fox, and this is episode 13 Pitfalls of Minimalism. I'd like you to consider what first attracted you to a minimal life. Was it the promise of a tidy home? Was it having more peace of mind or more hours in the day? When we choose a minimal lifestyle, we often look at what it can do to benefit us. And there are a myriad of benefits to minimalism, however, there's a big learning curve to this lifestyle. So today I'm going to discuss some common pitfalls of minimal living and how to navigate them. Firstly, think positively when beginning a project or organizing a space. Try to enter with a mindset of, I'm looking forward to transforming this room. Or, I can't wait to turn this mess into an orderly space. Instead of going into it negatively, like, oh there's so much junk in here, how did I let this happen, where do I even begin? This is much easier said than done, and you will inevitably have those negative thoughts, but it's worth mentioning that when we approach our projects and our clutter with an open mindset and a positive outlook, it really does impact how successfully we complete our tasks. That being said, you'll inevitably face certain rooms, cabinets, or closets that you just don't feel up for minimizing. The thought alone may be enough to send you into a bit of a panic and make you want to quit this whole journey because you can't handle the biggest problem areas. This is normal and to be expected. You are not alone. I'm going to discuss how to dive into the most overwhelming of projects, which can be very intimidating, but first I'd like to talk about a productivity tip. Many books and web articles about lifestyle and workplace productivity discuss the benefits of completing small tasks before diving into larger ones. When you feel unmotivated, by completing something simple, such as replying to an email, or in this case cleaning out a small drawer, you set yourself up for a domino effect of success. It's a confidence boost, and it feels like you're building up to the big project by ticking one thing off your to-do list, one at a time, no matter how simple. TheMuse.com is a self described professional advancement and skill building website, and I love this technique that the COO of The Muse, Alex Cavalakos, implements in her daily life. Here's a quote from her article On any given day, assume that you can only accomplish one big thing, three medium things, and five small things, and narrow down your to do list to those nine items. Sounds scary? Well, it is at first. But like it or not you only have so many hours in the day and you're only going to get a finite number of things done. Forcing yourself to choose a 135 list means the things you accomplish will be the things you chose to do rather than what happened to get done. Of course this can be flexible. If you spend much of your day in meetings for example, you might need to revise this down a bit. End quote. I love this 135 rule, and there's even a template on their website, so I'm going to put a link to the article in the show notes. If you follow this rule, adjusting it to suit your needs, you may feel compelled to work from the smallest tasks up to the big one, or you may just decide that you'd like to get the big project out of the way as soon as possible. So let's take for example the garage. That's usually an area a lot of people struggle with. If the garage is your elephant in the room, there's a few options here. Option one, you can set aside that area and work on something simple that you know you can get done easily. This will give you a sense of accomplishment and a confidence boost like we talked about earlier to make you think, you know what, I think I can work on that troublesome room now. The second option is to start small. So, if it is the garage that's your problem area, grab one box or sort one shelf. If you accomplish that, then you've taken the first step and you're one step closer to having a tidy garage. If you can, tackle one more area, little bits at a time, until you find yourself getting overwhelmed again, and then give yourself a well-deserved break until you feel up to the task again, whether it's later in the day or later that month. My final suggestion is to set a timer. Think about what you can reasonably commit to. Decide on a time and then set your timer for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, or whatever feels reasonable and doable. You can always reset the timer if you feel up for tackling more or set it aside and feel proud that you started that arduous task. Another common mistake that beginning minimalists often struggle with is hyper-analyzing what you own, how to own less, and searching for just one more thing to donate. I fell into this habit about a year after starting my minimal journey. I would walk around a clean house, skimming the bookcases, staring at my decor, opening cabinets and drawers just looking for anything, something new to get rid of, even if I had just recently finished decluttering the house. It was a brief period of fixation. This is not healthy behavior and can be a very large pitfall, especially when first starting out. Decluttering takes time, and while you're on the right path to keep an eye out for clutter or potential donations, there is no reason to obsess over it. I feel like this is particularly true if you consider yourself a type A personality, a perfectionist, or someone with OCD. If you feel you're at a stopping point, then stop. Items that you no longer need will eventually reveal themselves to you. For example, you might be folding laundry and realize you have a stained or damaged piece of clothing, but there's no reason to walk around your house searching for something to toss into the donation bin. Cutting out the clutter is important, but it shouldn't take up all of your time or make you feel like you must only have a certain number of items. I have a friend with obsessive compulsive personality disorder who is neat and clean and does regular deep cleans where she looks for items in her home to get rid of. She once shared with me that she fears she would become obsessive over her things if she decided to call herself a minimalist because of her OCPD. This topic came up when we were discussing extreme minimalists who literally count their items and own only 100 things, and those who fall into similar, extreme categories. I understand and respect that she knows her triggers, and I also admire the people in a way who are able to live with just the bare essentials. But a minimalist does not just have to live with the clothes on their back, donate all their furniture, or live with a certain number of items in order to qualify as a minimalist. Minimal living is not a religion or a club or something where you must meet certain requirements in order to participate. It's just a simpler way of living. It's a way of getting rid of visual clutter and cleaning out your storage closets so you don't have to let excess items occupy your space and your mind. It's all about shopping mindfully and living intentionally as an alternative to a consumer-focused way of life. So go after it at your own pace, and the peace of mind will follow, and eventually, you will find that you're donating more than you ever expected. Even during those times when I was scouring my apartment or my house for things to get rid of, I have gotten rid of so much of that stuff over the years, and it's just something that comes with time. You realize that certain things no longer make you happy, that are no longer useful, or things wear out and need to be donated, replaced, or gotten rid of altogether. In just a moment, we'll discuss some more struggles that we face in minimalism, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. And welcome back from the break. Before delving any further into this topic, I just want to recap what we've discussed so far. Think positively when approaching a project. Remember the one three five rule. Remember the three different approaches to overwhelming projects. Don't fixate. Be conscious of your personality and your personal limits. Don't compare yourself to people who have been practicing minimalism for a long time. Everyone's perfect journey looks different, and eventually you'll find yours. Comparing is never a good option. Continuing on, don't be scared to donate things that you don't use in fear that you'll never be able to buy them again. Everyone's in a different financial place, and if you're in a tight financial situation, you might be hesitant to let things go just in case you need it. Sometimes, it can feel like parting with belongings is wasteful, but that's not a logical or rational way of thinking. The money has already been spent, and there's no reason to guilt trip yourself over it. If you have tendencies to keep things for just-in-case purposes, I highly recommend listening to episode 6 of this podcast, where I discuss the differences between being frugal and being minimal. Keep the 2020 rule in mind. If it costs less than $20 to replace and takes less than 20 minutes to acquire, it's a pretty safe bet that you can donate that object. For items that you spent a lot of money on, if you want, try selling them on apps like Letgo, OfferUp, or Facebook Marketplace in your area, but give yourself a time limit to stick to. If the items do not sell after being posted for a predetermined time like a week or a month, then take it to charity. And remember that the things we own only have the value we assign to them, so don't guilt yourself over anything that you donate without getting your money back. The value you're exchanging the object for is peace of mind and a less cluttered life, so learn to let go easier. Another struggle or pitfall is parting with sentimental items. Childhood toys and clothes, photos, notes, cards, or gifts from loved ones can all be difficult things to part with because of the emotional value we assign to them. Learn to part with these objects more easily. It's okay to hang on to some special items, but many of us have too large of a category for this kind of thing. Only you know what your limits are in terms of how much space you have and how much value you assign to an item. For example, if you're a parent whose kids are grown up, you may want to keep every piece of clothing they've ever worn, but consider which are the most important to you. Do you have a photo of your kids wearing those outfits? That may be more meaningful than keeping the clothing itself evaluate things realistically, and look at things in a new way. Especially since Christmas is coming up, I want to elaborate on gifts from loved ones a little bit further. Just because you get rid of something from somebody that you love does not mean that you no longer love that person, it just means that you don't particularly love that object. I've said that before in previous episodes, and I'm certain I'll say it again in future episodes. But even if you don't keep that gift, I'm certain that there's something else in your household from that loved one that means more to you than the object they gave. However, you should always receive gifts with gratitude. Remember that that person went out of their way to purchase you a gift. They took their time and their money and their thoughtfulness to remember you. So I'm always grateful for every gift I receive. However, it does not mean that I am obligated to keep it. Next, let's talk about housemates. Whether you're sharing your space with your significant other, a roommate, or family members, then you are probably aware that not everyone is on board with a minimal lifestyle. You will learn to deal with their clutter because not everybody is going to be converted to a minimalist, and that is okay. You need to respect their space and respect their belongings, but that can be a difficulty as a minimalist you're trying to keep your space, let's say you have roommates, you're trying to keep your room clean and minimal and simplified, and then you go into the shared bathroom, and you realize that there's a bunch of clutter from other people who live in the house. You cannot control this, you cannot change people. You can feel free to tell them that you're living a minimal lifestyle in case they'd like to hop on board, but that's really a tall order to ask of somebody. People have to come around to the idea of minimalism in their own way, and it takes a lot of time to declutter. If you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, you may have noticed that I asked a couple of my guests during their interviews how they transformed their significant others into minimalists. This is because I received that question a lot on my YouTube channel. I was asked, how do I make my husband into a minimalist? How do I make my wife into a more minimal or organized person? The fact of the matter is, you can't. It's important not to change people, especially a significant other, If you think about it, it's a terrible idea to try and change somebody into a minimalist. You should respect their belongings just like you would expect them to respect yours. How would you feel if something that was a treasured item to you or something that you used every day, if they said, hey, this is clutter, we should throw it out? I don't think that that's a healthy way to maintain a relationship. I'm fortunate in that my fiancé is very organized and he's come around to minimalism and basically just lets me decorate the house however I want, and if he keeps stuff that I'm not necessarily a fan of, I don't care. I'm sure that I have certain things that he is questionable about, like why are you still keeping your childhood stuffed animals or things like that. So if you treat everybody with respect, you can all live in harmony. So this is just something that you may feel the need to change or adapt, but honestly, just leading by example, if someone's interested in minimalism, they'll let you know. I felt I needed to address that question since I ask some of my guests that question so often. So basically, live and let live, and respect each other's personal objects and lifestyles. Ultimately, no matter what obstacles you run into on your minimalist journey, know that you will learn how to navigate them properly. I believe that a minimalist journey is a continuous journey, not one with a destination, but just enjoying the trip. I'll leave you with a quote from Francine J. of MissMinimalist.com. She says, Your home is meant for living, not storage. That's going to conclude this week's episode of Clean Simple Free. Thank you all for tuning in. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can do so via email at clean.simple.free at gmail.com or on Instagram at clean.simple.free. Thanks so much and I wish you all a peaceful and productive week.